folks, welcome back to Stephen Runs Vegan. Or welcome, if it's your first time, thank you very much for stumbling across my little podcast. Really appreciate you tuning in. If you've just found the podcast for the first time, please let me know. You can get in touch, the links are all below. How did you discover the podcast? It's quite a new one for me. It started during lockdown. I'd always been uh, dreaming about, not dreaming, I'd always been interested in starting my own podcast because I'd listened to so many, I really enjoyed them. I like the idea of democratic media, do-it-yourself, kind of punk rock style. You don't have to wait for somebody to give you the big job or somebody to uh, give you your big break anymore. You can do it yourself. There's a lot of Bandcamp, SoundCloud, Audacity in my case, a lot of places to uh, make media your own, which I like. There's no guardians anymore. There's no like bouncers at the door only allowing you in if you've got the right qualities or if you know the right people. You don't need anybody else's permission. You can start it yourself. That's the motivation. That's what got me interested in the first place. Good friend of mine, Matt Fraser, said about his son, actually, when we were hanging out one day, just an off-the-cuff remark, he said, I want my son to be a content creator, not a content consumer. And at the time, I thought, did not think much of it, but it lingered. His son is 10, 11 now, maybe, and... I didn't know it didn't seem like you could do one or the other for me and I found it really interesting that he wanted his son to be a content creator right we all watch Netflix we all watch YouTube videos listen to podcasts uh, like memes whatever like there's so many things it it seems the default is content consumer and for me it's 99% of the same it's the, I still consume a lot more than I create but the, just the concept of, hey, I can be a content creator. Now, the quality of that content, well, that's your own personal opinion. I, I, I like to think I do a decent job of it. But the, the, the goal for me, the joy in it is just content creation, just weekly podcasts, getting them out there. And yeah, at least if nothing else, I'm not looking for fame. I'm uh, not looking for sponsors or millions of listeners. That's even if it ever happened, it's a long way off and it's just not why I'm doing it. I want to do it for me. I want to say, yes, this was my podcast. I stuck to it. I enjoyed myself. I put my voice out into the world and I'm proud of that. Anyway, enough about that. Thank you very much for tuning in. How are you doing? 2020? Yeah, it's still there. It's um, simultaneously flying by and it feels like a decade at the same time. Is uh, Is that just me? It's weird. It's September now, but I remember like in the height of lockdown, March, April, May, that feels like about three weeks ago. So it's it's a weird year. But regardless, I hope you're finding coping mechanisms. I hope you're doing healthy, productive things to pass the time. And if you're not, I hope you're forgiving yourself. If if you're surviving, that's enough. It's a global pandemic. It's a it's an emergency. Uh, you're allowed to put on a bit of weight. You're allowed to get a bit lazy. You're allowed to adopt less than perfect habits whatever you're doing just go easy on yourself and I'm talking to myself there as much as anybody else I'm off work for a bit now as you can imagine I'm a flight attendant for those who don't know and it's a quiet time less people are traveling these days which is probably for the best but it got a bit busy towards the end of the summer you know August was you know, the travel, the the passenger figures were ramping up again. It was almost getting back to like a regular summer schedule of what I used to have. But the moment August was over, certainly in the Netherlands here where I work, the kids are all back in school and the passenger numbers just dropped. Certain countries, certain areas are experiencing a bit of a second wave and rules are changing, lockdown, different levels of COVID restrictions in different countries. So September is a quiet month for me and my colleagues, unfortunately. I have a couple of weeks off now and yeah, passing my time with podcasting and many other things. Sitting here right now drinking some tea and for the thousandth time today thinking about my fantasy football team. I'm a bit FPL obsessed at the moment. FPL, Fantasy Premier League. I'm a big football fan in general, but if you don't know, you may have heard of the concept of DraftKings or a, a draft fantasy league, that kind of thing. Basically, you pick my players that I think will perform well in real life. If they score a goal in real life, I get some points and you go through the year, you know, ch- changing your team and trying to have the best outcome you can. It just makes football more fun for me. It uh, 
a random mid-table game between Newcastle and Brighton, yeah, I don't really have a personal interest in those two teams all that much. But if I've got players on those teams and if they score or get a red card, if they perform really well, really badly, it just it, it livens up the rest of the Premier League season for me outside of my own team, Liverpool, of course. The Fantasy Premier League deadline is fast approaching. It's coming up on Saturday, which is in, today is Thursday, and the deadline is Saturday morning. So I just have a full, just over a full day left to tweak my team. And I'm listening to podcasts, I'm watching YouTube videos, I'm reading tips online. There's, there's an endless rabbit hole of Fantasy Premier League content out there. This is just one of my hobbies, which is what I wanted to talk to you about today. FPL equals football, and football is one of my great hobbies. I enjoy playing it, sure, I'm not that good, but I have fun, I enjoy kicking a ball around. For my lack of quality, my lack of skill, I will double down in my work rate, my effort. So whenever I do play football, I'm sick tired by the end of it. You know that level of tired when you just, your breathing is so shallow and your stomach is rejecting and it's it's that level for me. I really put the work in to mask any the to mask the fact that I'm not very good at football. I stopped playing for any team when I was around 11, 12 years old. Then the the kids who are really good at football start to get really good and the gap becomes fairly obvious. When I was a kid, you know, between the ages of 6 and 12, I could play because I tried hard. I showed up for training every week. I had a good attitude. I just I had fun. And I was never the best player on the team, but, you know, I was always good enough. But then when you're about 12 years old, the good ones start to get really good and they start to take you seriously. You misplace a pass and somebody shouts at you and it's, yeah, it's not, not as fun as it used to be. So I never really played any serious football after the age of 12. But I always enjoyed kicking a ball around. But when I say my hobby is football, I mean really watching football. Premier League Typically, my team is Liverpool. I'm a diehard Liverpool fan. I have been since... I was about to say since the day I've been born. Not entirely true. But I believe I was five years old. And this is the memory I have. I hope it's accurate. My family, so my mother's side of the family, are all huge football fans. My father's side, the Dunn, the Dunn side of the family, don't really care all that much. But the Morin, my maternal family, are obsessed. The two main clubs, my family support on that side are Liverpool and Everton which are the two teams based in the city of Liverpool which makes sense on the one hand Irish football fans many Irish football fans don't follow an Irish team which is a bit to our shame in the same way that a lot of us don't speak the Irish language very well I know I should in both cases and I feel a bit of guilt about it but I speak English and I support an English team but the Liverpool and Everton factor is as a result of being our family being from Dublin Nowadays, it's not so relevant, but in the 70s and the 80s, it was a lot easier and cheaper to go to Liverpool with the ferry because it was the nearest city to Dublin than it was to go to London or Munich or Madrid, anywhere, to anywhere in Europe by plane. My family would often take a day trip to Liverpool because they, they had uh, shops there. There were things you could buy over there that you couldn't buy, yet buy in Ireland which is less the case now, but they, there was a strong connection to the city of Liverpool, and as a result, they connected to the football clubs in the city of Liverpool. So, I was five years old in my grandparents' house, and I believe it was a Merseyside derby, which is the rivalry, the, the grudge match between Liverpool and Everton. Liverpool play in red, Everton play in blue, and I, I remember one of my uncles asking me, Stephen, who do you want? Who do you want to win? Who do you prefer, the reds or the blues? That was it. No context. I was five. I didn't know anything about anything. And I said the Reds, which turned out to be Liverpool. And that fateful decision set a course for the rest of my life. It was interesting because I never, as a kid, and even still to this day, my favorite color is blue. I always picked a blue ball or the blue Monopoly piece, you know, or board game piece. Anything where I had the choice of blue over red, I would typically have picked blue. Got lucky with this because Liverpool Football Club are quite a bit better than Everton. And there's there's no denying that. Sorry if there's any toffees listening. We are. So that was... a. Uh, I was happy I made that choice. But on the other hand, Liverpool were 
world class, like the the best team in the world in the eighties and early nineties. So just when I was born, but from the moment I started getting into football, the mid to the late nineties, there was a decline. Manchester United took over Arsenal, Chelsea, then Manchester City. Liverpool just slipped down and down and throughout my life. We we won things here and there, but in general, I had to just watch other teams winning more, especially as two of my brothers were Manchester United fans. A lot of the other kids' cousins in my family started supporting Manchester United. Yeah, they they were the ones that picked the success. They just picked the best team and cho- chose to follow them. But hey, so you get this kind of irrational hatred of Manchester United <laughs> over the years. Alex Ferguson, oh, uh, David Beckham, uh, Peter Schmeichel, all these admirable, incredibly talented men of football. Now I ha- I'm a bit more mature, I can look back and say that, but at the time I-, I just hated Manchester United, I hated Alex Ferguson, it was passionate without much logic involved. And unfortunately as you get older that tends to change. These days I have a bit more of sympathy and a bit more humanity towards Everyone, yeah, I know Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is a nice man, so I like him a bit more, even though he's the current manager of Manchester United. But I digress. As you can see, I can talk endlessly about football. Maybe I should make this podcast entirely about football. No, I won't do that to you, poor listener. But yes, I'm a massive Liverpool fan. We had glory days in the 70s, 80s, 90s. 20-odd years of here and there success, but generally more heartbreak than happiness especially when it comes to Steven Gerrard. I'm not going to say the S word. Steven Gerrard, the icon of Liverpool from my childhood up into my early 20s. He was by far our best player, one of the best players English football has ever seen. Dragged the team along, you know, single-handedly for years. Scored so many great goals. He was just one of the best players in the world and probably the best player Liverpool have ever had. One of the top three, that's for sure. Best in my lifetime, hands down. But Steven Gerrard came so close to winning the Premier League, the long sought after Premier League with Liverpool. And then, if football fans will know what happened in 2014, I don't need to say the S word. It still haunts me to this day. It still breaks my heart. But we have since got back on top of our perch. We are the reigning Premier League champions. The, se- the last season, we won the European Championship. We won the Champions League. We've won the Club World Cup. It, the best team in the world still, if not second best maybe to Bayern Munich. They're the current European champions. But we won the Premier League. The thing that evaded me my whole lifetime. We won the season I was born. And then 30 years of misery and teasing from other football fans. Yeah, you think you're a big club, but you've never won the Premier League. Which ship has never docked in the port of Liverpool? The Premier ship. All those bad jokes, out the window. We won the league and we won it handsomely. Like 25 points ahead of the rest. Something ridiculous. So now, these days, Jurgen Klopp, Mohamed Salah, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Alison Becker, Virgil van Dijk, Jordan Henderson, Sadio Mane. The list goes on and on. We have world-class players and it's a joy to be a Liverpool fan these days. I bought the title-winning jersey, the shirt we wore that last season, and I wear it proudly. So football, yeah, I I just love watching football. Other clubs, nations, the European international scene, the World Cup. I'm a big fan. And believe me, I totally get why some people don't like football. The vast majority of players that I know and watch are ridiculously overpaid. The money sloshing around now is obscene, especially when you think of corruption, the likes of the World Cup going to Qatar and to Russia, FIFA shenanigans, you know, Neymar going to Paris Saint-Germain, sports washing, the fact that Paris Saint-Germain are funded by Qatar and Man City are funded by Abu Dhabi. It's There's a lot of murky waters in there. And even just on the pitch, you know, you can watch it for 90 minutes and there could be no goals. It could end nil all, 0-0. Zero, zero. So when someone says they're not a football fan, I get it. I, c- I can sympathize. I can understand it. But it's too late for me now. I It was, it's been in my blood since I was a young kid and the emotion is there. The attachment is there. I love rugby, for example, another great sport, or Gaelic games, the Irish sports, Gaelic football and hurling. Far more exciting and fast-paced and entertaining and high-scoring. You can watch a rugby game that ends up 56-32. You can watch a Gaelic football match that's 3-12 to 2-14. 
So there's far more, far much more happening. And you know, when the Rugby World Cup is on, or if I'm, you know, if Dublin are doing really well in a in a senior championship match or season, I'll be in it. You know, I'll follow and be super excited. I'll learn about all the players and the tactics. And but then football comes back, and that's it. I'm I'm just back. It's it's my one true sporting love above all the others. So that's the sport I watch most and participate in the least, I would say. On the flip side, running, of course. It's in my podcast title. I'm a runner. I really love to run. I don't follow running as a community, as a sport, as a scene all that much. I know like the famous Olympians and I know a bit about the ultramarathon scene these days. But that's almost just through friends and through, you know, records being broken and big news stories. I don't I don't delve into the detail as much as I would for football. I just prefer to run. Running is my escape, my, you know, number one mental health treatment, my, my go-to form of fitness, something I love. And I, I keep it simple. That's why I became a runner, first of all. I, I went vegan and I started getting all this energy and I didn't have a tennis racket or you know equipment for anything else but I had an old pair of running shoes so I just went out running and I fell in love with the simplicity these days I run longer so I I bought like a, a pack so I can carry food and water and the like I have a few bits of gear and I have like six or seven different types of running shoes I still don't have a watch and I still don't care about the numbers or the yeah, you know the. I don't get into the nitty gritty. I just run almost always a nice slow run, a long one on the weekends, and yeah, I I, I keep it simple. It's my escape. It's my active meditation, and that's what I love about it. But I, I've I've featured podcasts about running already. There are going to be many more in the future, so I won't elaborate on that too much. That's obviously one of my main hobbies. Another one that I'm really into these days has become such a passion of mine. In the last six months, maybe close to a year now, but certainly in the last six, seven, eight months, is bouldering and climbing. Specifically bouldering, but we can group the two together. And I just say climbing as a verb because it's more obvious. It's more descriptive of what it is. So my group of friends here in Harlem all got into climbing and bouldering at one stage or another in their own way. One of my friends was really into it and managed to get all the others along. And for some reason, I resisted for a couple of months. I just, I don't know, it didn't appeal to me. I didn't really have the urge. They would invite me along. I would say, yeah, maybe sometime and kind of fob them off a little bit. Eventually, I came along. I don't remember what the, 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 the what flipped the switch, but I went bouldering with them one day and loved it from day one. Now, the, I loved it so much on the first day. I was really bad at it and my body clearly hadn't adapted at all. So it really hurt a lot. The skin on my fingers got torn because you're grabbing and you know, turning, twisting on all these boulders. And the next day I had a first date and I had no idea how much pain I would be in. It, you're using muscles and parts of your body that you weren't even aware of or in ways that you've never moved your body before, which is great and healthy. And it's something one of the best things about it now. But obviously you do a hard workout, you do something new, you do something your body's not familiar with. The next day, the next morning, what's called DOMS, Delayed Onset Muscle Soreness. Yeah, I had DOMS times 10, like maximum delayed onset muscle soreness. I was like a 75-year-old man trying to get out of a chair or whenever I had to move the next day. Thankfully, the girl the, the, the girl I went on the date with was understanding. She saw the funny side of it. And yeah, but it was a little bit embarrassing. But bouldering is wonderful. It's just something I do multiple times a week now I'm getting good which is exciting as well but don't let that put you off it was fun as I said from day one it's one of those few um, activities that is fun even when you're bad at it I found the same with surfing there are other things I remember I played basketball with a few friends of mine a few weeks ago I'm not great at basketball but they just wanted to hang out so cool and oh man I'm I'm small anyway so that, that obviously doesn't help and I just don't have the skill I haven't held a basketball in over 10 years and it showed and it just wasn't much fun as a result 
I think of the same with golf, for example. I've played golf before, and it's nice to be out for a walk in nature for a few hours, but I'm not good at hitting the ball with the stick, the club, and it showed. But bouldering has all different levels, so you'll get into a boulder hole, indoors or outdoors, and you will see lots of different coloured rocks, in air quotes, for want of a better term, on the wall. And there's there's pink, blue, green, pick, pick your colour, they're all there. But it's in levels from beginner to advanced. So you can go and start on the the lowest rung, the beginner's level. And f- at the time, I remember it, that's hard already because you're just, you're getting, you're climbing up off the ground, you're climbing high. But then eventually the beginner's level becomes a bit too easy and you make the step up to the next level. It's I think it starts at three and goes up three to seven for some reason. And then you get to level four and it's hard again. And, oh, I don't know. this. I don't think I can do this. But then gradually, one by one, you start to tick off the levels. So the difference between bouldering and climbing, for those who don't know, climbing is, imagine you go into the climbing gym, I guess you could call it. You see super high walls completely covered in all of these holes, all of these roots, all of these things you put, stand on and hold yourself with your, your hands and feet. And ropes. So climbing, you need the rope and harness. So the the, the wall goes really high, 20, 30 meters. I, I don't know. It could be way off. And you have to do it as a pair. So one of you will be attached to one end of the rope on your harness and keeping you weighted to the ground, and the other person will climb. So, for example, if I'm climbing the wall, I can take a break because I can just let go of the wall and hang because the other person is belaying me. That's That's the term they use, to belay somebody. And I like climbing. I've only done it once, but it was fun. I'm going to do it again in a few days. But my personal preference is for bouldering. Bouldering is a bit more simplistic, which is why I enjoy it. I'm a simplistic individual myself. The walls are much smaller, only about three or four meters, I would say. There's no ropes. There's no harness. There's no equipment. Don't get me wrong. Climbing is not complicated. It's You, you can figure out the harness situation very easily on day one. But I like the simplicity of bouldering. Even if you jump from the very top of the wall, you're landing on the padded ground. And for some reason, it just speaks to me. I really I really do enjoy bouldering. These days, I've been doing it for, yeah, like I said, about six to eight months now. My hands are starting to get calloused. The skin is starting to get rougher in the places that I use mostly, which is great because one of the early troubles I had with climbing in general was the fact that I'd want to keep going, but I would like tear some skin on my hands or I would get blisters or just... It, it all starts to get a bit raw. And so your spirit might be willing, the rest of your body's feeling fine, but you just your hands are all torn up and sore and you can't climb anymore. And these days that's starting to change. I can get through a whole climbing session now quite comfortably with my hands, so that's fun. The rest of my body is catching up as well. And just the mental game as well. It takes a lot of... It's as much or and more mental, I would say, than physical you start to trust your body, you start to trust the holes, you know your limits. There are some where you really have to take a bit of a leap of faith, as in jump off the wall to grab the next boulder, and if you, it's all or nothing, some kind of big movements like that. And you just start to trust yourself. You start to know what you can do, how far you can stretch, and even push that a little bit further. There are some routes, some climbs that are really tricky at first. There might be an awkward starting move, and you fail it ten times. But the moment you get it once, that's it. Suddenly it's easy. You've just got it at that point. Now, some boulder sessions are just a bit of a write-off. It never clicks. You're a bit, or in my case, sometimes I just get a bit anxious. My, you know, my heart rate is increased and I'm a bit afraid on the wall. And I don't know, it, it can happen. One day I turned up, I had a coffee. It was an early morning session and I had a coffee with my breakfast and it was a bit too strong. Maybe I had two coffees knowing me. And I got to the climbing wall, you know, in a good mood. Met my friend there. I was excited to start. But the moment I got on the wall, that coffee, that caffeine high kicked in and it just turned into anxiety. It was kind of a negative buzz. And I just started to freak out a little bit when I got a bit too high or when it got a bit too uncomfortable for me. So you can have some days like that where it doesn't really work and you think you you, you didn't finish any routes. You think you didn't achieve much. But even in those cases, you did because you gave your body an hour, an hour and a half, two hours of practice, of training, of adapting your, you know, callousing your skin, adapting your muscles. So I try to remember to remind myself, even those 
kind of underwhelming, less than enjoyable bouldering sessions still have their value. And then, of course, there are other days where you just nail it. You you advance a level you didn't know you could get to. You you complete everything you tried, and it's just a lot of fun. You can almost do no wrong. These days, lately, that's where I've been. So, yeah, uh, it's, you can see it's starting to catch up with the football chat now. I can... I just I'm really in the zone. I'm really bouldering is my current excitement. Uh, I I'm trying. I'm texting all my friends these days, asking them to come along, telling them how much fun it is. And I think it's becoming really trendy these days. Bouldering certainly the the boulder holes that I'm visiting are getting more and more busy the longer I go. And maybe that's just because I've started to post about it, started to share pictures and share my passion for it. That people are reaching out to me. Yeah, I love it too. Or it's something I really wanted to get into. I'd heartily recommend it. Wherever you live, there's probably a climbing hole, a boulder hole in your local area. If you're in a, a relatively urban area, that is. As I said, it's something you can do as a beginner. The climbing, the staff in any gym, any climbing gym I've been to have been really friendly, really chill. One thing I like as well is everybody who's there, almost everybody, of course, the other climbers seem really friendly. I've never had a problem with anybody. It's just a really chill atmosphere. There's not much macho aggression or competition it's it's a bit hipster sure but for me that means there's great music on in the background the people there are interesting always worth talking to they'll help you out if you if they see you struggling with a move someone might tell you just put your left hand there and go turn this way and then you can finish it off so i really like the vibe in in bouldering as well one thing i didn't realize is almost every boulder hall climbing hall i've been to has a bar restaurant cafe as well so it's a great social thing i go with my friends and if it's not too busy if it's not too late if we're not too tired afterwards we will stay and have a beer or get some food have a chat even during it can be nice to take a 10 minute break have some coke or whatever it's it's a really cool um social friendly healthy activity so i i'm i'm big into it for those reasons but moving on there are i in general, I like to keep fit and be active and outdoors. So while I would say running and bouldering are my big fitness activities these days, the regular ones, I always enjoy other ones too. So I really like cycling. I live in the Netherlands and for, for you non-Dutchies listening, everyone cycles everywhere in the Netherlands, whether you're a school kid on your way to school, the mayor of a city or the the prime minister you will see cycling. It's just what everyone does in this country and it's wonderful. So I automatically do it do it if I'm going to get my shopping, if I'm meeting a friend for coffee, whatever. Like it's it's just the, the default method of transport around here. Which is great because it's guaranteed fitness. You're moving your body ten, twenty, thirty minutes, one hour a day, whatever. But also I have, like most Dutch people now, I have more than one bike. There are more bikes than people in the Netherlands. And many people like me will have a regular bike for their everyday round-the-town tasks, their errands. Some people call that an omafiets. That's the Dutch word for a granny bike. And it's just your basic city bike, which is nothing too fancy because you know, bikes tend to get stolen quite commonly in the Netherlands too. So if you have a nice shiny new one, for your standard day-to-day stuff it i would just say invest in a good luck for that but my everyday bike is pretty basic it doesn't stand out in a crowd but it gets the job done and in my apartment i have a road bike like a sports racing bike got it secondhand from a guy around here i'm sure if you're a, a cycling nerd you could look at my bike and say it's one of the it's on the lower level but for me it's amazing it's very lightweight it's very sleek it gets me around it's um i really enjoy taking half a day to go to nearby i'll cycle to amsterdam in less than an hour or i might explore just i'll go onto google maps and zoom out from harlem where i live and look around like oh there's a castle there i've never visited oh there's a park there or an area of interest or a town i never visited i'll just pick a direction and ride my bike and cycling infrastructure in the netherlands is terrific so everywhere you go it's bike friendly Yoga is another one I really enjoy. I'm not doing enough of it these days. In the beginning of lockdown, I was really getting into it again. You start to notice the, the, the mental, spiritual benefits. It's very relaxing. It's very calming. It puts you in the right frame of mind, which is fantastic. But also physically, you feel so much more open, so much more flexible. 
I would notice my posture getting better, my muscles getting stronger but looser, and it, it's just, it can do no wrong. It's a very healthy thing, and when I'm doing yoga regularly, I feel great about it. So, full disclosure, at the moment, I'm not doing yoga regularly, but I go in and out of it. It's something wonderful. I, I'd recommend it to anybody. Yoga with Adrian is a famous YouTube channel now. You can certainly do no wrong if you want to get into yoga by just searching yoga with Adrian and then any type you like. For beginners, yoga for strength, yoga for meditation, yoga for lower back, yoga for elderly people. Pick your category. There's something there for everybody. It's very approachable, very easy, very accessible for all levels of fitness, which is great. And it's I enjoy doing yoga at home on my own because it's not competitive. I don't make the same shape as the yoga instructor in the video because I'm not that flexible. I'm not that good at the postures. But it's not about being good. It's not about adopting the perfect posture. You do it's all it's completely individual. I have a very different body to you. One move might be really easy for me, but another one might be really easy for you. And when you're doing it at home on your own, there's just no competition. There's no social pressure. You're not scanning the room watching everybody else. So I, I appreciate that. Another big fitness activity I love, of course, is November Project. For those of you who know me, you'll know I talked about November Project a lot. It's a wonderful free fitness movement all around the world. If you're in the, if you're in the US or in North America, chances are there's going to be a November Project group near you somewhere. They're in most cities in the US and Canada. But they have expanded. There is one in London. There's one in Amsterdam, of course. Reykjavik. One in Serbia, I believe. In Toulouse now as well. And there's a few across the world. There's one in Hong Kong. Maybe more. But if, just Google November Project and you'll find all you need to. The one in Amsterdam, it's great. It's uh, I jump on the first train from Harlem. In 15 minutes, I'm there. The workout is right beside Central Station. There's no membership. There's no registration. There's no minimum level of ability you just show up that's what they encourage just show up every wednesday weatherproof regardless rain or shine early wednesday morning at six twenty-eight. officially half six basically the, the the workout starts why is it so early on a wednesday basically what else are you doing what's your excuse you don't have one if it's on the weekend yeah you could be busy you could be traveling you could be meeting your friends you could be hung over fine and if it's like during the week, you're working and you've got plans in the evening, you've got children, you've got appointments, you've got responsibilities. 6.30 on a Wednesday morning, chances are you're not busy. You have time to show up to the workout. It's always less than an hour. You can get home by 8 o'clock. And in many cases, you can shower, change and start your workday. And you'll start your workday wide awake, believe me. Because for any loss of sleep involved in waking up early and going to the workout, the vibes, the, the positivity, the workout itself, the music, the high fives, the hugs, the smiles just wake you right up. And I've never regretted going. I've regretted not going many times. Sometimes the alarm goes off at 5.30 and I think, oh no, not today. I'm turning over, going back to bed. And you wake up at 8 or 9 and you feel, oh damn it, I feel a bit lazy. I'm just disappointed in myself. Whereas no matter what the weather, no matter what I'm feeling, when I push myself out the door and show up to the workout... Afterwards, I'm always glad I did. These days, obviously, there's no hugs and high fives. It's contactless. We keep our distance. So we do our best in these weird times. But November Project is a great one as well. Anyone in the Netherlands, anyone around the Amsterdam area, I'm there regularly, whether I am or not. It's so friendly. There's no, like I said, there's no barrier for entry. You can just turn up on 6.30 on a Wednesday morning. They will be there. Could be 10 people, could be 30 people. You will be welcomed in and you will have a great time. The workouts are always designed in a nice way in that it, they don't point to the whole group and say, okay, everybody do 30 burpees or do 50 push-ups. It's, it's always quite tailored for your limits. So they'll, it will be like two minutes of sprinting up and down the stairs or it will be 30 seconds of star jumps and then this. And that for some people, that could mean 100 star jumps. And for some people, that could mean 10. But the group that arrived, there's all levels of fitness. There's old people, there's young people, there's kids, male, female. There's no judgment whether, as long as you're pushing yourself. That, that's the cool thing I really like. As long as you're pushing yourself to your limit, it's all good. So you might have the strongest, fastest, most athletic person there. 
cheering on someone who's not quite so fit, not quite so in shape, who's struggling to do five burpees when someone else did 30 burpees, but they're both treated with the same level of respect and support and admiration. And that's the way workouts should be, in my opinion. That's the way the fitness world should be. So many CrossFit or gym classes seem so intimidating to me, so macho, so alpha and harder, faster, stronger, work it. And that's, uh, that doesn't, that doesn't speak to me. Whereas November Project, whereas November Project gives me the chance to do those workouts and that strength training that I don't often do myself in such a fun and friendly way. So check it out. That's my final fitness hobby that I will recommend to the world. Another big hobby of mine, of course, self-explanatory perhaps, but it's podcasts. For years that has been listening to podcasts and finding new ones and enjoying them. And now it has it has expanded to making my own, to having my own podcast, which is still a weird thing for me to say out loud as I'm talking into a microphone here, but there we are. I think I started, podcasts have been around for years, since the late to the late 2000s, I think. But I started listening when my favorite Irish radio show, it was a sports radio show, the guys were taken off the air suddenly with, without much warning. And as a result, they set up their own show in podcast form instead of on the radio. And I'd already heard the word by then, but I didn't really know how you listen to podcasts, any of that. So I thought, okay, I better figure this out. And I found out you can download an app. There is a million podcast apps out there and find all your fav- your favorites. I think I only list- listened to that specific podcast, the Second Captain's Podcast, for anyone curious. I only listened to that one for the first few months, but then just by being on the app, you start to realize, oh, that's a football podcast I'm interested in. Here's a million other football podcasts. Then these days, there's one for every hobby, whether you're a foodie, whether you're into politics, dance, economics, whatever, like pick your Pick your niche area of interest. If you're into vegan running, hello, welcome. And there will be a podcast about it. So as I I talked about in the beginning of this one, the democracy of it, it's free for listeners. There are these days, there are premium podcasts and Patreon levels and all that sort of thing. But 99% of podcasts are free and widely available to the whole world. You can listen to a famous celebrity on the Joe Rogan interview or you can listen to someone in their van in the mountains living van life. Or you can listen to me sitting in my apartment in Harlem talking about running and veganism. And it, it's so cool. It's it, it opens the world in a way that's very accessible. Podcasts are great for one thing because you many people are commuting to work. And if you're on the tube or if you're on a train, any any form of public transport, you'll, you'll see a lot of passengers with headphones in their ears. And they might be listening to music. But... Quite often, many people will be listening to podcasts. You've got a guaranteed 30 minutes, one hour, whatever your commute time is per day in which to get in some enjoyable, entertaining, informative. Edutainment is a nice phrase I hear these days where it's entertaining and educational. And in some cases, hopefully what I try to give with this one as well, it just feels like you have a buddy. It feels like you're in a group of friends having a conversation or you're getting to know somebody. I certainly hope my podcast feels that way. You're listening to it right now. I really want to be talking to you specifically. Yeah, exactly, you. I hope you are getting that feeling that it's something... This is my message that I wish to spread to the world. And if for some reason you and I were on a train, a long train ride or a long flight, and we got talking, I would like to think I would tell you about football and running and bouldering. I'd like to think that you're included and that this could feel like a conversation for you. It's a very one-way conversation, granted, but I'm talking to you right now, and I love that, and I love that you're listening to me, and we share a connection, and that's the beauty of podcasts for me. Next up on my hobbies, I will talk about craft beer. No surprise to those of you who know me. Recently, I did just release a podcast all about beer, craft beer, and my journey in starting to get to enjoy craft beer. Some things I love about that is one of them is travel. Lately, especially during lockdown, I don't feel like it's very appropriate to travel abroad all that much. So in the last few months, I have been to Dutch breweries. I live in Harlem where there are two main breweries and a few micro ones as well that I have seen. 
But in recent weeks, I have been to Amsterdam to visit a couple of breweries. I went to Utrecht, to the Brouwerij In Den Haag, I've been to Kompan. In The Hague, sorry, I'm speaking Dutch. In The Hague, I've been to the Kompan Brewery. Breweries are really cool these days because, again, a bit like the climbing thing, there's a certain atmosphere in breweries, whether it's the staff or the other clientele. It feels quite friendly. Certainly a bit hipster, very indie. They might, they, they, there might be food trucks there. Sometimes they had live music in the past. And quite often you can get some interesting food there as well. And you're just getting beer from the source. If, you, if you're a big beer fan, you're getting it literally from the, the, the brewery. So there's no, there's no issue with quality or transportation or how long something's been shipped halfway across the world. It's coming right out of the tap, right out of the vat that it was made in which is cool i've really enjoyed visiting craft beer bars in cities that i go to normally the bar staff in these places are super passionate about what they about their product quite often it might be their product specifically that they're giving you what they have made and they know a lot about it and they're passionate about it and they try to they try to share that with you which i really appreciate and often in craft beer bars i just get talking to other people because you're all ordering a different one and everyone's hoping to learn from each other and hoping to share their opinions. Uh, there, for example, the Alger, Brewer, the Alger Bar excuse me, in Harlem, one of my favorite craft beer bars, has 30 taps. And I'm not, I, I can't, I'm not drinking 30 beers, so I might have two or three if I'm visiting. So I have to make a careful selection. After I've had the first one, I might talk to the guy beside me. Oh, he had number the number 14. I was curious to try that one. What was it like? It's just, they're, they're friendly places. If you listen to my episode about New Orleans, you'll hear that we went to visit a brewery. And some of the people we got talking to there are still good friends of mine to this day. I hope to go back and visit them. So the, there's a chance of that in the world of craft beer, which I really like. So I, I just, I enjoy the beverage itself. Find uh, beer is delicious. I enjoy all the variety involved, and the culture around it. The people you meet, the travel, the the independence, the independence of it. It's starting to change. There's a lot of big money going into craft beer these days, but you can still get locally sourced microbreweries that are not big business, and that are owned, operated, and worked in by people from your area, which is always cool. Supporting a local independent business of any kind should be promoted. There is another big hobby of mine, which I'd also include in travel. Obviously, you can just say travel is a hobby, which it is, but who doesn't love to travel? And if there are, if they do exist, I don't want to know them. Everyone likes to travel, whether it's a, an all-inclusive resort holiday on a beach, or whether it's slumming it in hostels, backpacking around Europe. Whatever sort of travel you're into, everyone likes it. But running, going back to running, that's a great one for me with travel because I might I've uh, just just today in my Facebook memories I saw that on this day 3 years ago I ran the Budapest half marathon with my dad and my girlfriend at the time and I got to see Budapest it's not often you can run through the streets of a major city and and have the entire city closed off for you you get that's the best tour of a city you can do I've run in Dublin Amsterdam Cologne uh Prague Cyprus, of course, New Orleans, and I plan on running in many more cities. Races are a great way to travel. A great excuse also to see places that I never would have thought about before. The Akamas Mountains in Cyprus, I had no idea how beautiful they were until I ran my ultramarathon there. This year I was supposed to run a another ultramarathon in Gozo, the small island in Malta in the Mediterranean. Malta was always one of those places that I knew was historic and beautiful and that the weather was great. I'd heard a lot of people say they'd visited and really recommended it, but it was never really a place that I was going to go to anytime soon for one just for one reason or another. But I was going to run an ultramarathon there and suddenly I started Googling travel tips, hostels, accommodation, the culture, the background, started looking into going there and I realized, wow, this is a great place. I'd never heard of the island of Gozo before. Another one of these kind of hacks, ways into travel in a more alternative route is gigs, concerts. Anyone remember them? These days, obviously, concerts can't really happen. And if they are happening, they're in very limited, distanced ways that it's not really what I enjoy about them. I love a rock concert, a big, sweaty mosh pit 
everybody's either you know dancing like crazy pushing and shoving or they're just arm in arm you could make best friends with a perfect stranger because you know the words of a song together sing along share a big hug afterwards oh i miss concerts so much there's so much camaraderie and community in a room full of people who are all there to see their favorite artist and all there to have a good time and seeing some of my favorite musicians have has led me to travel to places I saw parts of Ireland that I'd never been to before because I I start I followed Frank Turner on his Irish tour. Frank Turner and Green Day are basically the main reason I have travelled for gigs, but there have been others, and it's it's another travel hack because you will meet people, strangers essentially, but they you happen to have one big thing in common, a love of a musician or a band, and there you go, that's your way in. I've tr- I've been to gigs on my own many times. I go, I, I enter on my own and I rarely leave on my own. Now, that, that's mainly because I talk to the wall. I'll talk to everybody. But at a gig, you've, like I said, you've got something in common already. You, the, the ice has already been broken. Hey, what's your favorite song? And then suddenly you're away. So I, I loved gigs. There's a line in a Frank Turner song, the song Four Simple Words. Well, the whole verse is, Hi-ho, 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 we're heading out to the punk rock show. Colleagues and friends condescend with a smile. Yeah, but this is my culture, man. This is my home. The dark huddled masses gather around the gate. The doors are at seven and the show starts at eight. A few precious hours in a space of our own. And when the band comes on, the only thing I really know is I want to dance. Four simple words, great song. And I couldn't have put it much better. Colleagues and friends condescend with a smile. But this is my culture, man. This is my home. I'll try telling people that I'm taking a week off to travel all around Ireland to see the same guy play five different concerts. They they won't get it, and they don't have to get it. But I feel very at home at a concert, surrounded by friends old and new. Everyone in that room is my friend, un- un- unless they can prove otherwise. I'm sure everybody has known uh, uh, a less-than-ideal character at a gig here and there. You get some annoying people. Some people are too drunk, some people are too aggressive, and, you know, some people are not very nice. Especially for girls, unfortunately, the amount of the amount of uh, harassment and unwanted physical attention at a concert is quite troubling. There's a great campaign, a great group out there called Safe Gigs for Women, which is aiming to change this, raising awareness of the fact that it's a problem, which was useful for me because I didn't realize the extent of sexual harassment at concerts. So check out Safe Gigs for Women. But all in all, I think everybody would agree the vast majority of concert experiences have been amazing ones in my case. Some of my, the highlights of my life have been festivals, concerts, experiences with friends as a result. And I, I just, the, the mo- as soon as there's a vaccine, as soon as this thing is all over, I just cannot wait to get back into a crowded room full of people singing along, dancing along to the same song. And the connection, everyone in the room is at one the barriers are broken down and we're all in this together i miss that feeling so much so gigs concerts another one of my great hobbies hopefully one i can return to sooner rather than later and then just while i was talking about travel travel in general uh, who who doesn't love it <laughs> this is this may seem quite niche i if anyone can relate let me know but one of the things i really enjoy is when i travel to go into a supermarket in a foreign country does anybody else have that I love walking into a supermarket where if I don't know the language, I don't know the culture, especially when I'm more unfamiliar with the place I'm visiting. You see what they prioritize, for example. The first time I left Ireland, I moved to Germany. In Ireland, we drink a lot of tea, but we drink typically black tea with milk. That's the 90% of the way. There are more varieties now. People are drinking herbal tea, green tea, and different other things, and coffee is getting far more popular. But you go to an Irish supermarket, 90% of it will be a few different companies making the exact same variety of black tea. And then in the corner, there might be your boxes of everything else, chamomile and lavender, all the, all the, the, the herbal teas. But in Germany, the tea was, the variety of tea was just huge. There was far much more variety and that was something I had never experienced before. Then I would go to the Netherlands and see how much coffee is huge so i go to the tea section again because that's what i know and suddenly there is five times the amount of coffee options as there were in ireland so these things are fascinating because clearly you learned the dutch are interested in their coffee 
Or Croatia, for example, where I think I went into quite a normal city supermarket, nothing out of the ordinary. They had one tiny corner dedicated to fresh fruit and vegetables. I, I, there was hardly anything at all. But the, the canned meat, the frozen section, the, the processed foods in general, took up 95% of the supermarket. Didn't seem that healthy to me, but I'm just not of that culture. That's clearly what they eat. So there's always a bit of variety in supermarkets all around the world, and I find that fascinating. I just love supermarkets in general. There's something something in me that really... You can learn a lot about a culture from walking down the aisles of these places, and yeah, I enjoy that. So I think I've gone on long enough here. You know a bit, a bit about my hobbies now. So when I'm not flying, people ask, what do you do? What do you like to do? There you go. Now you know how I like to pass my time. If you can relate to any of these, if you share my passions, if you want to talk to me about football, bouldering, podcasts, craft beer, any of the above that I mentioned, please get in touch. My email address is stephenrunsvegan at gmail.com. You can find me on Instagram with the same handle at stephenrunsvegan. Anyone who knows me personally, you can just hit me up on social media, Facebook, Instagram, whatever you like. Please do let me know some of your hobbies as well. I'd love to. I'm always open to new experiences. Bouldering as a good example of something I never thought I was interested in. I live right beside the Boulder Hall here in Harlem and I, for four years I never even went in once. Now it's one of my favourite things. So let me know what you're into. Maybe I can get involved as well. But first and foremost, never forget this. I, I love that you're listening. Thank you so much. It, it means so much to me that someone's taking time out of their day and their energy to listen to what I have to say, hopefully enjoy what I have to say. If you are so inclined, if you share the podcast with anybody, it would be amazing. If you know anybody who'd like some tips about the more active, healthy lifestyle, about going vegan or even vegetarian, or quite often I'll find a post on Facebook, on social media saying, hey, does anyone have any new podcast recommendations? Sure, you could probably tell them to listen to one of the big famous ones, one of the good ones. But send mine their way. You never know. They might click on it and hear something they like. They might like my voice. That would make one of us. If you could subscribe, leave a review on whatever app you're listening to. I believe I'm still not yet on Apple Podcasts. I haven't. There's so many hoops you have to jump through. And I try to sign up. I try to tick all the boxes and do everything. I'm still not on Apple Podcasts, I believe. I am on Spotify. I'm on SoundCloud. I'm on um, all the podcast apps. Podbean is my hosting site. You can find me there, stephenrunsvegan.podbean.com. Google Podcasts. I'm pretty much everywhere except for Apple Podcasts that you can listen to one. So almost all of those features have a review option, a subscribe, a share, a like, any of those five stars, hearts, something you can click on in that realm to boost my numbers would be so appreciated. But I believe, I think we can both agree, you and I, we have gone on long enough. Again, thank you so much for listening. Do take care of yourselves and each other. With all my gratitude. Have a great day, guys. Thank you. Bye-bye.